Open your Bibles to the Gospel of John, chapter 1. Christmas has a lot of ironies, um, paradox, maybe, I don't know what you would, you would want to call them. I just named the series Light, Angels, and Action. But, but in, in all of that, it's, there's so many um, amazing truths and things that as we try to put our arms around, it's just, it's like it amazes us. And sometimes we have a, a hard time even trying to imagine what it was like. Um, I mean, think of the irony of the, of the Christmas story, the highest high. What, what, could be, what could be greater than God the Father, God the Son, in perfect perfections from eternity, that, 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 that high, that glorious estate that we look to be part of one day, that was that estate, that highest high that he left to come here to the lowest low, even the death of the cross. For us, I mean, is, is that an irony? The, the perfect one for the sinful one and, and the precious gift, the amazing exchange. Um, how, how can you fathom that? Um, e- even when we think of, um, about our culture and, and, and the irony, and we think of the, the, the lowliness and the lowness of Christ in the Christmas story, um, you realize if we look at politics that Christ lost the only election he was ever in? Do you know he was in an election? Yeah. It was a, a choice and the people had to vote between Barabbas, Barabbas, but I pronounced that wrong in him, and they chose Barabbas and then they shouted what? Crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. Is that low? The king of glory? And then that king of glory stood in front of Pontius Pilate, who he is the way, the truth, and the life. And Pontius Pilate looks at him and says, what is truth? And there he is. Talk about irony. He is looking at truth himself. You can't even see it. Why do we see it? Because he opened our eyes. Not because we are any better than Pontius Pilate. He opened our eyes. He was gracious to us. Now we see, and th- these ironies of of Christmas. The as I put in the handout, the, the word made flesh. No, I didn't put this in the handout. I didn't make you a new handout last week. And I didn't make you one this week. And this wonderful handout I have right here that you don't see. <laughs> um, the 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 word became flesh. The the highest high, the lowest low. The the Christmas carol. What child is this? Uh, that's what's revealed in the scripture that what 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 child is is this and we we see it and I, I want us to look here at a few texts and then just share a couple of things about the uh, the wonder of Christmas look at John 1 certainly a Christmas text although often we don't come here for it in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God and he was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him. 
And apart from him, nothing came into being that has come into being. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. Remember how we read about that last week in, in, in Isaiah. Men sat in darkness, but light came. Look at verse 14. And the Word became flesh. That's the incarnation. That's this that we celebrate this time of year. The Word became flesh, and He dwelt among us. And we saw His glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father. Full of grace and truth. Turn to me now, John 8. John 8, we find the second of Christ's I am statements as John uses these to declare that Christ is the, the Son of God. And it's that I am statement that I am the light. I'm the light of the world. And it's amazing the, the map drop here where it's been laid into the storyline because it's laid into the storyline immediately before the woman who's brought to Jesus by the, by the scribes and the Pharisees that's caught in adultery. Look at verse 3. The scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman caught in adultery and having set her... In the center of the court, they said to him, Teacher, this woman has been caught in adultery in the very act. And now the law of Moses commands us to stone such a woman. What then do you say? If we look at the law, and if the law were to judge us apart from grace and apart from the gospel, the law would say to Larry Stone, death. But the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And here he is presented with this. What do what then do you say? But Jesus stooped, reading in verse 6, down, and with his finger wrote on the ground. But then they persisted in asking him. He straightened up and said to them, Who is without sin among you? Let him be the first to throw a stone at her. There's Paul's portion of the Gospel of Romans chapter 3. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And Christ puts the, the knife to the throat and says, Okay, which one of you are sinless? Pick up the rock, seeing as how you want to be the judge, and throw the first rock. He's not saying here she didn't deserve it. He's just trying to help them to see that they're no better than, than she is. Again, he stoops down and he wrote on the ground. 
Oh, preachers have have have, pay, have preached all kinds of amazing passages telling us what he wrote on the ground. <laughs> of course, the text doesn't tell us what he wrote on the ground, but that is that, that is always fun to ponder, isn't it? Uh, many of the sermons I've I've heard um, suggest that perhaps there in the dirt, the Lord was writing the name of different men there in the group who had committed adultery, or maybe the name of the woman they had committed adultery with. Well, I don't know. I don't have any idea. You, you can't even draw that from the text. But Jesus has never done anything without purpose. He came here to purpose. He, he came to us to seek and save those that were lost. He came to give his life a ransom for many. So we know for this, for sure, whatever he's writing on the ground, there's a, there's a purpose. He could have answered immediately. Uh, he knows what he's going to say, but he gives them time. In mercy, he gives them time to consider. And in verse 9, when they heard it, they began to go out one by one, beginning with the older ones, and then he was left alone, and the woman, where she was, in the center of the court, straightening up, Jesus said to her, Woman, where are they? Did no one condemn you? And she said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said, I do not condemn you either. Go. From now on, sin no more. This is the backdrop. There is the, the context. Now, for all of you that are studied really, really deep and spent hours in commentaries, I, I, just as a disclaimer, will tell you that there is a mild um, argument as to is this actually the setting of the next text, but most conservative commentators believe it is, but there is that little variation, so I just I throw that out there in case you're aware of that doesn't matter, doesn't change the truth of the word. This is this is the incarnate one and how he is responding to this woman in her sin. Aren't you grateful that that's the way he responds to us in his sin? He responded to the cross. He loved us with the cross, as the songwriter wrote. And now in verse 12, he, he says, Then Jesus again, he spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of light. Move over a couple of books to the book of Philippians. Please. Can't let Christmas season go without reading these texts which richly proclaim the Christmas message in themselves. Yes, Philippians 2 is part of this irony, part of the great contrast, part of the highest high to the lowest low. And Paul describes it magnificently, passages very familiar with you all. I'll pick up in verse 5 for brevity's sake. It's a command. Have this attitude in yourselves, 
which was also in Christ Jesus, but was in Christ, who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard quality with God to be a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself, taking on the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. So we see it. We see it. Angels greet this highest of high. What child is this? The verse says, angels greet an anthem sweet. Why lie he in such mean a state where ox and ass are feeding? The answer takes us beyond Bethlehem to witness his life and even greater lowliness. As I just read, though he was in the form of God, did not count the quality with God to be a thing to grasp, but he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself, being obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. The Word made flesh, was born to die. It's a a celebration of the incarnation. Bethlehem, angels, shepherds, starlight, is without the cross empty. But Golgotha is in view. If we don't have it, it guts the very significance of the meaning of Christmas. No, it's not ugly, it's beautiful. He bore the cross for me and for you. In his first advent, he came not to judge, but in mercy. In a the lowliest estate possible. Christmas is his life for you and me, his death for you and me, and his triumph in resurrection for you and me. It's all part of the Christmas story. You can't disconnect the incarnation from the cross. The cradle and the cross must go together. That song, What Child Is is He, says, Nails and spears shall pierce him through. This ugly, horrific realization doesn't ruin our Christmas. It, in fact, gives Christmas its power and its light and its glory and its wonder because he doesn't stay a babe. In the final verse of that song, we read, So bring him incense, gold, and myrrh. Come peasant king to own him. The manger is for all lowly sinners because the cross is for all sinners. This is the answer to the song's question, what child is this? So I asked this morning again, have you bowed your heart, your knee, your, your whole life before him in awe and wonder that he would descend from such heights and go so low as to rescue you and to rescue me yes there's room at the cross for you 
and all who come, Claude led us in the song, O come all ye faithful, come let us adore him. The, the irony of the Christmas story, the, the amazing part of it. Since 2016, I have read a little summary of a whole bunch of Christmas writings that I put together and shared the very first time, actually with senior saints. And um, and since then, in different venues, every single Christmas, uh, I have changed and it's sort of become a tradition here in this class. And, um, and so I want to I want to read it one more time. And though you hear it every year, I mean, how many times have you heard Silent Light Night or Oh Holy Night? It's okay to hear the same thing uh, over and over again. And um, I, I hope it'll, I hope it'll bless your life, your heart. I hope it'll stir you up. And then we're going to end early. It's okay to end early. We only had one service today. I want you to have time to greet each other and uh, fellowship with each other speak of a word of encouragement um, to each other and uh, look forward to seeing you this evening at the um, cantata and do trust that you'll have a very Merry Christmas and so this is entitled The Miracle and the Mystery of Christmas Dr. Seuss said how did it get so late so soon? It's the night before it's afternoon. December is here before it's June. My goodness, how has the time flown? How did it get so late so soon? Any of you have that feeling right now? And the Grinch, with his Grinch feet ice cold in the snow, stood puzzling, puzzling, how could it be so? It came without ribbons. It came without tags. It came without packages, boxes, or bags. And he puzzled and he puzzled till his puzzler was sore. Then the Grinch thought of something he hadn't thought of before. What if Christmas, he thought, doesn't come from a store? What if Christmas perhaps means a little bit more? Sometimes you never know the value of a moment until it becomes a memory. Christmas is full of memories for us. But more importantly, Christmas is about God with us. Emmanuel. Helen Keller said the only, the only blind person at Christmas time is he who does not have Christmas in his heart. Matthew put it this way, Behold, the virgin shall be with child, and she shall bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. G. Campbell Morgan said of Christmas, He is the ancient of days becoming a babe in Bethlehem. He who thundered in the heavens, crying in a cradle. He is the one who made all flesh, now being made flesh. It is he who could summon the legions of angels 
and he's wrapped in swaddling clothes. The mighty God became the helpless child. This is the marvel and the mystery of the virgin birth. He is the pre-existent, self-existent, everlasting God who's going forth from old, even from eternity. And yet, he is the long-awaited promised one who would rescue his people. Oh, come, let us adore him, Christ the Lord. For unto us is born a child. Unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. We celebrate Christmas because God rescued us by becoming one of us, living the life that we should have but couldn't live, and dying the death we deserved and absorbing God's wrath as our substitute. The miracle and mystery of Christmas, a virgin-born baby, God in the flesh, Emmanuel, born to die upon Calvary. We don't usually sing this song as a Christmas carol, but I think we should because it brings the miracle of the incarnation together with the agony of Calvary and the victory of the resurrection. Listen to the words. They'll be very familiar to you. See if you agree. One day when heaven was filled with his praises, one day when sin was as black as could be, Jesus came forth to be born of a virgin, dwelt among men, my Savior to be. Living he loved me, dying he saved me, bury he carry my sins far away, rising he justified freely forever, one day he's coming, O oh, glorious day. And it's because of that we sing. Oh, come, let us adore him. Let's try it. Oh, come, let us adore him.